0: Hello, friends, and welcome to the Diabetes Pro Tip Series from the Juice Box Podcast. These episodes have been remastered for better sound quality by Rob at Wrong Way Recording. When you need it done right, you choose Wrong Way, wrongwayrecording.com. Initially imagined by me as a 10-part series, the Diabetes Pro Tip Series has grown to 26 episodes. These episodes now exist in your audio player between episode 1000 and episode 1025. They are also available online at DiabetesProTip.com and JuiceBoxPodcast.com. This series features myself and Jennifer Smith. Jenny is a CDE and a Type 1 for over 35 years. This series was my attempt to bring together the management ideas found within the podcast in a way that would make it digestible and revisitable. It has been so incredibly popular that these 26 episodes are responsible for well over a half of a million downloads within the Juicebox podcast. While you're listening, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. This episode of the Juicebox podcast is sponsored by Ascensia Diabetes, makers of the Contour Next Gen Blood Glucose Meter. And they have an amazing offer for you. Right now, at my link only, ContourNext.com forward slash juice box free meter, you can get an absolutely free Contour Next Gen Starter Kit. That's ContourNext.com forward slash juice box free meter. While supplies last, U.S. residents only. The Remastered Diabetes Pro Tip Series from the Juicebox Podcast is sponsored by Touched by Type 1. See all of the good work they're doing for people living with Type 1 diabetes at touchedbytype1.org and on their Instagram and Facebook pages. This show is sponsored today by the glucagon that my daughter carries, GVOKE Hypopen. Find out more at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juicebox. I liked your idea a lot of beginning ideas around blood sugar management with exercise because I hear from people constantly and I always think that my answer to them is incomplete because it's one of those things that I think I just know how to do and I don't know why I know how to do it or why it works sometimes. Um, you know, I, everyone who listens knows that Arden played really competitive softball for years and years and years, Mm -hmm. and that that means, at this part of the country, that means being outside in incredible heat, weekend after weekend, sometimes from 8 a.m. till 5 p.m., playing two, three, four softball games, you know? Right. And I strive for a nice blood sugar around 90, or I don't change my goals because of what she's doing. Right. And I also am not much of a pre-planner, but I do, I have spoken to people who are like, look, you know, I'm an adult. I'm going to go to the gym at five o'clock after work. I need my blood sugar not to fall at five o'clock when I start working out or later or sooner. And how do I do that? And I have to tell you, I know it's around basal insulin and pre, you know, basically like setting basals up ahead of time or afterwards to catch lows and stuff. But I'm so reactive, I don't think about it that way. So how do you talk to people about it?
1: Yeah, you don't really have a, I mean, as you've done for a long time, you're sort of like, you're surfing the wave of what's happening for Arden and you're managing very well doing that because you've intuitively learned how she reacts to things for the most part. Mm -hmm. Right. But to teach people in a general sense, I think one, you've, you said it correctly. uh, I think it's around basil. Well, you're, you're right in that it's around insulin. Most people.
0: Uh, My son, my son just walked in and I'm like, (laughs) I'm I'm recording it. (laughs) He looked at me.
1: Uh, So the, the the insulin is really a big piece. And a lot of people, again, they focus on a number when they're going into exercise, but they're not focused on what's, what's the causative to that number, what's affecting that number and where it may directionally go. So when we talk about, you know, your person here, example-wise, who's going to exercise every day at 5 p.m., well, for them, that's kind of a nice timeframe of the day because the goal there in a simplified way would be no active insulin on board. So, no bolus insulin, you know. And they, let's say as an adult, they only eat lunch at noon or one o'clock. Technically, by five o'clock, that bolus should, for the most part, unless they're looping, that should be gone, right? And it would mean then, you know, aiming to either not have an afternoon snack or in which there's no bolus that would be riding into the exercise. And then, the basal component, there is a lot of debate about, should I adjust my basal for exercise? When should I do it? How much should I do it by? And that's where it comes to be an individual nature of adjustment, because it ta- you have to take into consideration the intensity and the duration mm-hmm. of the planned activity. You know, if this example, you know, guy is going to go for an hour and a half spin class, high low it's sort of a high intensity interval sort of workout and if he's only going in on basil he could shut his basil down not off but lower his basil incrementally enough well before he actually starts moving so that he shouldn't technically need much of any food at all to continue that let's say 90 minute spin class for example yeah adjustment to basal most people feel like they have an idea I turned it off you know I turned it down or I turned it off 30 minutes before and I still went low or I continued to, I was low by the end and then I continued to be low the problem is that as we've talked before circulating insulin level isn't lower or higher until about 60 minutes post adjustment and when you're really aiming to get into a specific target For beginning exercise, your circulating insulin level should be low enough by that point because this is going to propel the intense intense action of the insulin on a basal level that you have now circulating. If you're normally at a 1.0 unit per hour basal rate and you knock it down by 50%, that 50% reduction should be started at least 90 minutes if not 2 hours prior to when you jump on that spin bike.
0: When you have diabetes and use insulin, low blood sugar can happen when you don't expect it. Gvoke Hypopen is a ready-to-use glucagon option that can treat very low blood sugar in adults and kids with diabetes ages 2 and above. Find out more. Go to gvocglucagon.com forward slash juice box. G-Voke shouldn't be used in patients with theochromocytoma or insulinoma. Visit gvocglucagon.com slash risk.
1: So this gentleman, you know, he should really reduce his basal by 3 p.m., and he should reduce it for the intensity and the duration at least by 50%. Again, these are kind of starting places, and you'll find what adjustment works specific to you, but it's a good starting place. Now, if he was just going to go for a walk for 60 minutes at a moderate pace, enough to kind of bring up his heart rate a little bit, but not crazy, maybe his adjustment is a 25% basal reduction. But it still needs to be taken back by at least ninety minutes to two hours before he takes that walk.
0: Right. It, it reminds me of a number of things. One, there was a—I forget what it was called. Gosh, there was a, a thing that happened in—I in, can't think of what the name of the, the website is. It's gone now. Uh, Manny Hernandez's website—that's not active. oh, two
1: diabetes. Yeah,
0: they used to do that thing every year where they—they kind of challenge you to get out and do exercise, right, and chart, yeah. chart your blood sugar and see yep. where it would fall. So, that was
1: in November for the Diabetes Month, the Diabetes uh, Awareness. Yeah, yeah. I check your blood sugar now, walk or do something fun for 15 minutes of movement and check again.
0: Right, and people would see that their blood sugars would come down. Yeah. And so, so it's the same idea except with lower, lower numbers and tighter tolerances for exercise. Your blood sugar is going to fall or try to fall because of this exercise. What can you do prior to that to not – to, to, to keep the fall from happening. And I think that what ends up happening is there's two false narratives. Well, there's a false narrative that, and a problem that people build around exercise. And I think about going to sleep too with diabetes. The false narrative is if I make my blood sugar this high, that when it drops, it won't get dangerously low. Correct. If you're thinking that you are completely missing the point, right? The point should be that your blood sugar doesn't need to drop like that. Let's right. find let's find a way to live where it's not dropping out of nowhere. Correct. And and so – but I see how that's the fix, right? Like I see how that's what uh, occurs to people. I mm-hmm. drop 50 points, so, you know –
1: Let's start 50 points higher than I really high- ever want to be.
0: Right, because the guy stuck a pencil in his pocket and then he grabbed the bank, so the pencil caused the bank robbery. Like just the fall's not the right. – the fall's – The falls. God, what am I trying to say? Like, Like the fall is – it, the fall
1: it, can be offset if you think ahead about how insulin works.
0: It doesn't have to happen. And, right. and and so you shouldn't be planning to stop the fall. You should be planning for a fall to never happen to begin with.
1: Correct. Or minimal enough that you really are not in danger because of the drop, right? right? right. I mean, exercise can, even, you know, um, even people who do plan ahead might see something like a 10 or twenty point change in blood sugar during or by the end of their exercise session. That's nothing. You know, if you're starting with a blood sugar of 110 and you drop 10 points, ah, great. you are at 100 now. Awesome. That's nothing, you know.
0: My expectation isn't that you can set your blood sugar at 89 while you're, you know, running a marathon. It's never going to move. But there are things at play while you're running that you don't think about. The, you know, the anaerobic style of exercise is trying to bring your blood sugar down, but you've changed your basal rate, which is trying to bring bring your blood sugar up. Also, maybe you have adrenaline, which is trying to bring your blood sugar up. So you, even people who have that stability, they don't 100% know why they have it. Like, they don't really understand all the pieces that are affecting this number, moving or not moving. Right. It's interesting. that The other thing that you said that feels problematic to me, because I hear so many people, like, Every time I speak to someone, I'll tell them the same thing. Look, just start pre-bolusing and your A1C is going to go down like a point. And then they inevitably say, well, I can't really remember to do that. And I'm like, all right, well, then your blood sugar is going to, like, what do you want from me? You you have to pre-bolus, like, this is how this is what you're going to see. This exercise thing really is no different. Um, That's right. They're still pre They're just pre-bolusing with they're pre-basiling. With adjustment. But with, an, mm-hmm. with, a, with a, a reverse adjustment instead of a, a more positive adjustment. And so I wonder how many people fall into that category when they say, look, I know I'm going to be at the gym at 5, but how in God's name do I think about it at 3.30, mm-hmm. you know, in that situation?
1: And so some of the strategies in pumps today, you know, there are alarms or reminders that you can set you know, even in the PDM for Omnipod, you can set up alerts and reminders um, for things. Um, I, I used to have um, one set up for reminding me to pre so that I had enough time between that and actually starting to eat my dinner. I also had a reminder to check my blood sugar at bedtime. Not that I needed the reminder, but it was there in case I had a really hectic night and I did forget before I like climbed into bed, right? So for things like a reminder, if you are pretty strategic about popping in your exercise every day at 5 p.m., why not just set an alert or a reminder in your pump to go off or even on your phone? If your pump doesn't do it or you don't want to set it there, put it in your phone and call it exercise adjustment or whatever, you know, so it is that physical visual reminder. You have to turn the alert off. Oh, why did I set the alert? Oh, that's right. I'm going to go exercise at 5 o'clock.
0: Just, just two days ago, someone said my child will does not seem to be Remembering to pre bolus at school. And I said, Oh, yeah, Arden was terrible at that. And she said, Well, what did you do? I said, I just set up an alarm on her phone for when I wanted her to pre bolus. And it would go off and it would pop up and say pre bolus. And then she'd, you know, send me a text and be like, Do you, you want to do this now? And we built on that. And that was years ago. And last year, she says to me, I don't need the pre bolus alarm anymore. And I said, Oh, yeah, okay, no problem. And sh- sure enough, like it just, it happens so many times that now it just—it's muscle. It's memory. like brushing our teeth, exactly. It's
1: just memory, right? Yeah. So that's exactly. what—that's what
0: you guys are going to have to do. Whether this is about you know an adult for exercise, a kid for exercise, or a kid playing a sport, you can't just. Mm-hmm. I mean, it sucks, right? That you can't just get up and run out the door and go do it. But it's going to take a little bit of pre-planning. And if your health, that or your, you know, your. Um, You know, if that means that much to you, it's what you're going to have to do. Like, and I do
1: think it it's important. I mean, with that statement, you know, can't you can't just get up and run out the door? Well, you know what? What if you ended up sleeping in because the alarms didn't go off the right way, and you had planned to get to your kid's softball tournament Mm -hmm. at nine a.m. And oh my gosh, it's like eight o'clock, and we're like running out the door with like food in our hand, and we're running and trying to get there, and it just didn't happen to be able to plan. Well, in that instance, I mean, there are strategic management you know, ideas, you couldn't adjust the basil, there was no way to do it, right? right? So in that circumstance, then food becomes your offset to potential changes in blood sugar. You know, if you got up late to go for your normal six mile run first thing in the morning, and you always like to eat ahead of time, then the strategy may very well be, okay, maybe you don't bolus. If you're going to eat and head out the door in the next 30 to 60 minutes and you're going to take a six-mile run, depending on how long that takes you, you may be able to take 25% of the recommended bolus. You may be, be able to take none of the recommended bolus and strategically then manage blood sugar well because you're feeding the activity, you're feeding to avoid a drop in blood sugar, but you're not stacking insulin into a time that it's just going to get active,
0: see right? I'm, I'm smiling so much because this is like the next level of thinking about all this about the manipulation of the insulin uh when Arden w- would run off the field like i and you know, i'd have her i know what her blood sugar was and she if she ran off i might say to her hey water you know drink water now and then maybe watch and then if i saw her blood sugar kind of dipping down the next time she came off the field i'd say you know switch to the sports drink mm-hmm. and then you know she'd switch to the sports drink and then i'd be like switch back to water you know, and it only happens a couple times, maybe. It, maybe never, to be perfectly honest with you. She's played softball games where her blood sugar's never moved. You've got her basal right, you're prepped right going in, or like you said, you ate the right things before playing, and these things are sitting nice and stable in your stomach and, and kind of holding, you know, holding the, the pressure back of uh, of the activity, mm-hmm. trying to make your blood sugar lower. But you can reverse engineer all of these ideas, like... Use food instead of it. Like you know, I say it here, you know, a lot, and I don't know how clear it is because it's sometimes not one hundred percent clear in my head. But we don't. We always just think about how the insulin impacts the number, your blood sugar, but we never think about how food impacts the insulin or how food impacts the number. There's so many different pieces to this. It's all not just a one way street. Like all these things are affecting all these different things, and if you pick the right one. It can manipulate something right. that you never thought was manipulatable and and it is. You, you know, and
1: also understanding your variables and how they affect you maybe at certain times of the day is a piece of it as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can tell you from my from my uh, management, I guess toolbox, I've figured out that my morning runs. I can get up, I can bolus for about forty to fifty percent of the normal recommended bolus. As long as I'm heading out the door within the next 30 to 60 minutes, Mm -hmm. that partial bolus for what I ate will help me keep my blood sugar nice and stable throughout. Now, in the afternoon, if I did that, my blood sugar within 15, 20 minutes would tank. It would entirely tank. I would need, I just know my sensitivity at times of day. Mm -hmm. And so, again, on an individual level, some of the things you know that we're talking about—they're a beginning piece. They're where to start. If you've had no strategy whatsoever, these are places to start with what you can try to, you know, I guess implement. Right. Um, but you're going to find that things need to be adjusted personally for yourself. I mean, my race day strategy, knowing my like training run strategy, my race day strategy is completely different. With the adrenaline of everything getting going on a race day morning, I mean, and I'm not a competitive like pro runner.
0: (laughs) Not out there there being like, I'm going to kill all these people here.
1: Four minute mile or something. No, I'm just, I'm out there, but it's a race day. And so I bolus a hundred percent for my breakfast on a race day morning. And if I don't, my blood sugar is 300 by the time I start the race.
0: The Remastered Diabetes Pro Tip Series is sponsored by Ascensia Diabetes, makers of the Contour Next Gen Blood Glucose Meter, and they have a unique offer just for listeners of the Juicebox Podcast. If you're new to Contour, you can get a free Contour Next Gen Starter Kit by visiting this special link, contournext.com forward slash Juicebox free meter. When you use my link, you're going to get the same accurate meter that my daughter carries Contournext.com forward slash juice box free meter head there right now and get yourself the starter kit this free kit includes the contour next gen meter 10 test strips 10 lancets a lancing device control solution and a carry case but most importantly it includes an incredibly accurate and easy to use blood glucose meter This contour meter has a bright light for nighttime viewing, an easy-to-read screen. It fits well in your hand and features second-chance sampling, which can help you to avoid wasting strips. Every one of you has a blood glucose meter. You deserve an accurate one. ContourNext.com forward slash juice box free meter to get your absolutely free Contour Next Gen starter kit sent right to your door. When it's time to get more strips, you can use my link and save time and money buying your Contour Next products from the convenience of your home. It's completely possible that you will pay less out of pocket in cash for your Contour Strips than you're paying now through your insurance. Contournext.com forward slash juice box free meter. Go get yourself a free starter kit. While supplies last, U.S. residents only. Touched by Type 1 has the back of people living with type 1 diabetes. Take, for instance, their D-Box program. Touched by Type 1 knows firsthand the intricacies of living with type 1 diabetes, and so their team has created a D-Box, which is a starter kit that provides important resources and supportive materials to individuals with diabetes. They want you to thrive. The D-Box is completely free and available to newly diagnosed people. All you have to do is go to touchedbytype1.org go to the Programs tab, and click on Dbox. While you're there, check out all the other resources and programs available at touchedbytype1.org. Speaking of support, touchedbytype1.org is available in English and Spanish. Don't forget to find them on Facebook and Instagram, too. You do not want to miss what TouchedbyType by Type 1 is doing.
1: If I don't, my blood sugar is 300 by the time I start the race. And again, it's experience. It's experience of figuring it out. Uh, it kind of goes into the the difference of what type of sport or what type of athlete are you. Are you a an aerobic exerciser or are you more the weight, kind of the heavy lifter kind of, you know, anaerobic? Right. Because those adjustments are different as well. Strategy there for many of the lifters that I work with they find a need, depending on their lifting plan, they find a need to potentially bolus to avoid a rise in blood sugar during a lifting session. Off at the potential rise that they see is slower with a temp basal increase. Mm -hmm. And again, in their standpoint, that temp basal increase needs to be started about an hour before they actually get to their lifting session. Or it doesn't help enough and they get a major rise. So I think, The biggest thing with exercise adjustment is what has happened? What have you seen? What is your problem? Mm -hmm. Right? Because if you start with the data that you've got and you look at it and you say, okay, I adjusted this way, totally didn't cut it. This did not work. Okay. Adjust. Yeah. Look at your data and adjust and make, you know, is it a timing component? Is it an amount component? What do you need to change?
0: It's funny because I see a through line from this to correcting um, a low. So when you know, when people when people's blood sugars get low and they, they eat because they need to, then this, you know, uncertainty just allows them that they do nothing and their blood sugars come like crashing like back up again. Right now you're you've just crashed down, now you're flying back up. I I say all the time, like you'll know you're like a ninja when you're bolusing you know, after you've eaten for a low, like, you know, your blood sugar has gone down to 40, you're shaking, you're out of your mind, you're eating all the food. You stop for a second, go, okay, I'm okay now. I I ate a lot of food. I I just ate 70 carbs worth of food. What do I do now? Well, the answer is I bolus now, you know, how much? I don't know. You figure that out. But that's what I did. I mean, I, the first time I did it with my daughter, I'm like, I can't, I'm so scared. Boom, 350 blood sugar. Then next time I was like, okay, well, maybe like for half of it. And half of it didn't work. And so eventually I could just, I kind of eyeballed it. It was usually about three quarters of the carbs. Like, right. And like when you stopped and really thought about it, you know, sure, the 20, 25 carbs stopped the fall and got you level. The other 50 were just your body going, eat more, eat more, eat more, eat more. Right. If you could have stopped yourself after 25 or 30 carbs, you, you would have been okay. Need Right. You wouldn't need to bolus, but you don't, you know, you can't stop yourself in that situation. And so it's happening. Now you got to do the next thing that makes sense. It's all really just about, I hate, I hate to, I feel like I oversimplify sometimes, but all we're talking about in the last 10 minutes, all you've really heard was right amount of insulin at the right time, you know, Mm -hmm. which is obviously overly simplified, but that's all we're talking about. The right amount might mean, and I, I, I get scared too when people hear right amount that they, that they think, of on the positive or more, like actually, the right amount might be less. It could be less right. basil, right? It could be okay. not bolusing at all, eating a banana going out the door for a run and thinking, you know, this banana is usually three units, but I, I'll, I know if I didn't bolus for this, my blood sugar is only going to, gonna to go up about 80 points because bananas don't hit me that hard for some reason. Sure. And when I go out for a run, I fall 60 points. So boom, I'm gonna eat the banana, I'm gonna go and, and you
1: countered it yeah
0: there's yep. all different ways to get in that fight um mm-hmm. i have a couple of notes the other well oh, please yeah, no, sure. no you no please
1: oh i was going to say kind of on this kind of on the same note there from the standpoint of not having enough time to adjust um, prior to let's say for a basal adjustment truly another component is you may actually have to you may have to eat food To curb a potential drop. If you know the drop is coming and you've only got 20 minutes before you're going to head out the door to go and exercise, you may have to have 10 or 15 grams of carb in order to stop a potential drop from happening. And that's, it's a hard thing to consider when you're also, for the most part, as an adult especially, considering exercise as a piece of like a weight management tool, right? And if you're feeling like, well, gosh, every time I exercise, I have to go and eat like three granola bars. That's like, what's the, what's the purpose? <laughs> yeah. What's the point of this, right? I'm exercising, but I'm not seeing any changes here. Well, again, some strategic planning can help. But if there's no ability to adjust anything ahead of time, because there's not enough time, you may actually have to, quote unquote, eat something. And my, my recommendation to most of the athletes that I work with, if it's that the circumstance, simplify the carbs that you're eating, sit and eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or a pro bar that's, you know, like 300 calories, your body right before you get started moving needs the simplest form of carb you can get. It needs to get into the system to affect quickly and stop a potential drop because usually aerobic exercise drops happen within about the first 20 minutes or get started within yeah. about the first 20 minutes. Right. So simpler the carbs are, one, you're not getting fat and protein calories. So you don't have this load
0: mm-hmm. of
1: excess. And if you use something simple like the sport drinks, you know, whether it's Gatorade, Powerade, Vitamin Water or whatever right. it is, make sure it's got some carbs in it and have about you know, eight ounces, which is almost 15 grams of carb. Right. That's a simple amount. Your body's going to use it easily. It's going to help to stop an initial drop. You may need to bring it along and sip it along the way um, as well. But at least it's getting used up and it's not something that's packing away calories.
0: I have a question and I don't know the answer to it. So, uh, which just is an indication to you guys that sometimes I ask questions I know the answer to just so you can hear the answer. But in this situation, (laughs) I don't know the answer to this question. So your body, when you work out, uses up food as fuel, but that we're accustomed to putting that food in us and letting it be used up as a buoy for our blood sugar. So I, I don't know yeah. what my question is, but if I eat a banana and I sit down, like because my blood sugar is 60, I eat a banana, and I sit down, and I expect this to bring my blood sugar back up to 130 and it does. But if I eat that same banana at 60 while I'm doing something that's causing my body, so is, are my muscles stealing the banana that I need for the sugar? Or does it still go in the blood and I use it and I get it? Any I, Do I get both benefits or do I only get one?
1: depends where you are sort of in the exercise. In early exercise, your body would get the benefit of the banana would actually bring your blood sugar up because your muscles now are resting. Mm-hmm. You've stopped. You're eating the banana. You haven't been exercising for very long. So it should technically bring your blood sugar up. Maybe not as much as if you were just sitting and not doing anything and eating the banana and not taking insulin for it. Um, but the longer amount of time you've been moving, the more primed your muscles are to grab glucose and bring it into for for their benefit right because they're trying to retain they're trying to energize essentially mm-hmm. and this is a really hard concept i'm glad question wise you brought it up um cuz athletes endurance athletes especially those who are doing long distance of anything triathletes long distance cyclists even kids or um adults who are in long term like um competition on a weekend, like four or five, like you said, you know, Arden might be, have been in softball from 8 a.m. until 5 p.m. That's a long day of movement, of asking your muscles to do something. And most people are like, ah, I've got my basal dialed in. I totally, I rocked it. My blood sugar was nice and stable, but man, I felt like I couldn't move. Mm-hmm. My I just slugged through this whole four hour marathon and I didn't, my blood sugar was great but I didn't feel the greatest. Right. What's the problem? The problem is that you've been thinking about yourself as
0: diabetes, a person
1: with diabetes, yeah. right? You have to first think about yourself as an athlete. Right. Athletes, whether you have diabetes or not, you need energy of whatever source you're choosing to use. You know, Even ketogenic endurance athletes use some form of fuel during long distance mm-hmm. to maintain and be able to perform. And, you know, people who aren't ketogenic, you need a carb source and you need it put in strategically over that endurance time so that you can fuel your muscles. You can give it what is needed so the muscles can keep doing what you're asking them to do. Now, from a diabetes standpoint, what you're putting in to fuel your muscles also has to work well with blood sugar piece, right? They have to kind of balance each other out. But first and foremost, as an athlete, you have to think, what do my muscles need to perform the way that I want them to perform. Yeah,
0: you're doing two different, very different things, but they're both working out of the same pool of food, basically. So, yeah. And
1: and thus with it, insulin adjustment might be very different. I mean, when I am in training long distance, like half marathon, marathon, my training runs and the actual event, it's surprising most people who've kind of dialed things in will find that their basal insulin adjustment doesn't go down a lot. For my marathons, I only reduced my basal by 10%. And this was conventional pumping, Mm -hmm. right? I only adjusted my basal down by 10% for the duration of time of the run. Because what I expected then was the rest of the basal to be able to encourage the food that I was taking in to fuel along the way into my working muscle, because insulin has to be there to propel some of that and the activity helps with the rest of it. It opens the doors on the muscle cells and lets the food in. Right. So if I reduced my basil too much and fueled along the way, I had these jumps in blood sugar that I didn't need. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I just kept my basil a little bit lower and I fueled strategically, you know, every 20 minutes putting in a little bit of something along the course of time and hydration, again, blood sugar stayed nice, but I also had energy to keep moving.
0: Yeah. I, I I I should say that at the the other side of Arden's long tournament days, you know, no problems like you just said with the blood sugars throughout the tournament into the evening. There's regular bolusing at dinner time, but around late evening, nine ten o'clock, going into falling asleep time, all the food was free at that point. Like she could eat without insulin. Like and by the and when she goes to sleep. I know people see like one way or the other usually, Arden's a eyes closed, blood sugar falls person. Like, so if if something's not right with her insulin, when she goes to sleep, her blood sugar tries to go down. Um, and so even if you gave her a juice at midnight and turned her basal off, that still couldn't catch a low after a full day of activity. You had to give her something to eat that was substantial, that would really stick with her in her system mm-hmm. while she was sleeping. And even in the morning, even in the morning, waking up, like getting through the night okay. And I've done it well, and I've done it poorly. And poorly would be like, you know, three juice boxes to get through the night and a banana or something like that. I would call that poorly. And I've done it well where I've gotten her through with like a, you know, something at the end of the day that stuck with her overnight, some temping down with basil, stuff like that. But even that next morning when she woke up, her blood sugars were like terrific. They were low. You needed the, you know, the the. My, you know, whatever the base amount of insulin was for the meal, like you know, sometimes you're like, this is two units, and then the next day you're like, oh, how come it was more like four today? Whatever the most minor amount was, but always the day after a softball tournament is all you need. Her insulin needs were very low, but that was, gosh, if that didn't kick in nine hours after she got done playing and lasted probably for nine hours after that, it was really, it's really something.
1: And that's what we call Gary actually. has coined the term "dope," like Homer Simpson. DOH dope. Mm, dope. <laughs> uh, is D- DOH, delayed onset hypoglycemia, essentially is what that is, right? And it is, again, this is where visually looking and seeing, you know it was about 9 to 10 hours later mm-hmm. that she started having a drop in insulin need and it lasted for another good, let's say, 10 hours. That's experience. You looked at her data and you said over and over, this is what I see. So that's kind of where you have to go back and you have to look and see... Well, gosh, after I have like a three hour run in the afternoon or, you know, a four hour softball tournament in the morning, I end up being low from dinner time all the way through the next morning. Yeah. And if that's the case, you can set temp adjustments down mm-hmm. again in basil at a strategic time so you don't end up having to do a juice box and a basil off for a certain amount of time because really there you're missing the boat. Yeah, right? please. No, no, that,
0: that was – You're yeah.
1: treating now right. when ahead of time had the basil been adjusted down enough, the treatment shouldn't have been needed or mm. less of it, As right? As aggressive,
0: yeah. No, I, and I I, I made sure to characterize it that way. Like in the beginning, like I didn't do a, a good job of it all. And you were just – the whole evening was just like, here, stay alive, eat this. Here, stay alive, mm-hmm. eat this. Hey, why don't we just you know shut your basil off for a while and see if that helps? That's all – 911 stuff like that's right. not that's not like oh i'm really doing right. a great job you know later right later a great job was knowing that after dinner throughout the evening she needed less basil and yeah. and that she should eat something reasonably substantial like yep. a little before bed like that kind of stuff but my gosh the first couple times you know i did it once in a hotel room where <laughs> My God, it was just embarrassing. You're banging into things, you don't know where anything is, and it's dark, you know. And I'm just like, Oh, what is happening? And then you know her alarm goes off. She's like, We have another game. And I'm like, Oh yeah, that's great, because I've been up all night. <laughs> you know? And then the next day all the parents Pretty are bad. like, all the the parents are like, You look tired. And I'm like, Uh-huh. Yeah, you guys were all drinking all night. I was up trying to fix this blood sugar thing. Um <laughs> not that all parents at sporting events are drunks, but most of them are. And um, <laughs> I'm I'm not I'm not a drinker, so I wasn't involved to begin with. But uh, they all were like they they'd come down in the morning, like all hungover, and I, I, they must have thought I was just like quietly, privately drinking by myself, you know, because right. I I looked worse than they did some days. Um, but no, but there's just so much, so so. And such,
1: kind of on the same yeah. on the same note, not to interrupt, but no. the aftermath sometimes too of exercise can happen right after. Mm-hmm the lower needs in insulin can be for several hours after. Um, Weightlifters, too, may have that rise during, but then the impact of lifting and their muscles sort of building, repairing, restructuring, and the insulin sensitization that they get from working their muscles out can have impact into, you know, four, six, eight hours after where they actually need less insulin now.
0: Yeah. I had that I had that on my notes like what does muscle breakdown and and rebuild do um mm-hmm. and what you know what to dehydration I'm reminded about this again the other day because I said this to a person and it was like no one had ever said it to them in their whole life and they're like you know sometimes my insulin doesn't work as well in the morning I was like you know have you tried waking up and just banging down a glass of water And they said, no, why? And I said, well, insulin doesn't get through your cells as well if the cells are dehydrated because then the insulin can't travel through. You know, I'm like saying it and as I'm saying it, I'm like, God, you've never heard this before. You know, like three years with diabetes, the guy had never heard that before. And he's like, I just, okay, that sounds great. I'll try that. When Mm -hmm. Arden's at school, whenever her blood sugar gets sticky, the first thing I say to her is like, hey, drink some water. Let's see if, you know, we can find a simple, you know, answer to this question. So
1: Well, it's kind of like things just move slowly through your system. It's like your blood gets, when you're dehydrated, your blood gets like sludge or like molasses in Mm -hmm. winter, essentially. It doesn't move. Nothing moves through the system very well. Nutrients don't get where they're supposed to go. Everything that's traveling there is slow. Whereas when you're well hydrated and everything is nice and plump with water, it can move fast. It's like a freely flowing river, right?
0: okay. Yeah, that so so I have to stay hydrated when I'm being active, no matter what. But it 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 is also helping me get a a smooth baseline for what I expect out of my insulin, and then at least what I see one way or the other, I know is real, Mm -hmm. Um, and not because I'm dehydrated and or something. What does heat? How does heat impact blood sugars? Because you know people in the warm weather states always report problems with their blood sugars, um, as soon as the, as the, as the, uh, summer comes, but I'm wondering you heat yourself up when you're working out too. Is that similar or no?
1: Um, you know, that's a good question about the workout. I guess I never thought about it that way. It's probably pretty similar. Um, in exercise, of course, your muscles are just uptaking glucose more efficiently. The doors are opening even with less insulin being there. Mm-hmm. They're just opening more efficiently. Exercise is like free insulin, really. Yeah. Okay. I mean, unfortunately, we can't live on exercise. We <laughs> still have to use insulin, but um, it does help.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but in the, in the case of overall warm, um, if you think about when you're warm, your vessels move closer to the surface of the skin, or right, and you sweat, and you that's a cooling effect, right? It's your body's sort of way so that you're, you don't overheat. Well, when that happens, um, get more circulating, you get more circulation around the actual insulin pumped or injected site, so you allow that insulin to get absorbed faster. I guess is the easiest, most simple way to say it. So in warm weather or war- when warm weather comes, many people do see, in fact, a friend of mine, once April hits, she's always like, my basils just need to go down. It's warmer outside. I know that I need an adjustment. Nothing else has changed. My weight hasn't changed. My in- My food hasn't changed. I am just outside more. It's warmer. She needs less insulin. And then it might go up again in fall and or winter. And exercise, obviously, that heats you. You get a lot faster circulation. I mean, that's the benefit to your heart. Your you know circulatory system is exercise does your heart good, mm-hmm. makes it pump harder. So with that and the fact that you're getting warmer, you just get a, a faster circulation of insulin, essentially.
0: And we ha- we haven't really said this here either, but you have type 1 diabetes, or the person we're talking about does. Exercise is very important to you. So this is a piece you have to figure out. You can't just say, I can't figure out exercise. You you need exercise. You know everyone does, but you know people with diabetes need it maybe a little extra because you're trying to keep your body healthy uh, while, it's right. to, uh, while it's trying to while uh, it's trying to you know while it's trying to beat you up. You need to you need to take away as much power from that as you possibly can.
1: And as a weight management strategy, sort of in the same realm of it needs to be something that happens every day. And many people with diabetes are really strong. They're struggling and really trying to keep a healthy weight, if you can strategically plan your exercise in the aftermath of a meal, Mm -hmm. as I said before, you could potentially use less insulin then because you're planning the exercise in a time frame of after insulin's been injected. So insulin's going to work better. You're also going to enable your body to burn more of that fuel off, right? Right. So... It's a good strategy to just eat, all around to
0: eat and then work out
1: eat and then work out yeah. again ability to reduce the amount of insulin again prevention of lows, but also just burning calories and not having to take as much insulin doing, so.
0: doing what you what you wanted to uh, what what you what you intended to do when you when you decided to get up and go exercise. I want to look real right. qu- very quickly too because. Uh, Chris Rudin was on the podcast and we talked a lot about, um, we talked a lot about this kind of stuff too. And I just want to be able to tell people what episode that was. Be nice if I could figure it out. I am the guy with the podcast. You would think I would know, but,
1: um, (laughs) well, there are so many of them.
0: Well, we are getting to that spot, aren't we? Uh, I can't figure out which People are like, what episode? I'm like, I don't know anymore. Um, Let's see, where is it? Uh, all right, I'll have to figure it out and plug it in. Jenny's got her own life. She's got to get back there. I will figure it out and you'll hear it edited in right here. Chris Rudin was on episode 201. Jenny, is there any, anything else that you think we should talk about here?
1: We could probably go on and on with more like advanced... Stuff, but overall I think those are the good basics to start with.
0: Yeah, I think this is what we're looking for, a basic, and we'll we'll hit more advanced things in another episode. Let this all sink in. Cool. All right. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. I want to thank ascensia Diabetes for sponsoring the Remastered Diabetes Pro Tip Series. Don't forget, you can get a free Contour Next Gen Starter Kit at contournext.com forward slash juice box free meter while supplies last u.s residents only if you're enjoying the remastered episodes of the diabetes pro tip series from the juice box podcast you have touched by type 1 to thank touched by type 1.org is a proud sponsor of the remastering of the diabetes pro tip series learn more about them at touched 1.org a huge thank you to one of today's sponsors G-Voke Glucagon. Find out more about Gvoke Hypopen at Gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice You spell that G V O K E G L U C A G O N dot com forward slash juicebox. If you're living with diabetes or are the caregiver of someone who is, and you're looking for an online community of supportive people who understand, check out the Juicebox Podcast private Facebook group, Juicebox Podcast Type 1 Diabetes. There are over 41,000 active members, and we add 300 new members every week. There is a conversation happening right now that would interest you, inform you, or give you the opportunity to share something that you've learned. Juicebox Podcast. Type 1 Diabetes on Facebook. And it's not just for Type 1s. Any kind of diabetes, any way you're connected to it, you are invited to join this absolutely free and welcoming community. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Now, listen. There's 26 episodes in this series. You might not know what each of them are. I'm going to tell you now. Episode 1000 is called Newly Diagnosed or Starting Over. Episode 1001... All about MDI. 1002, All About Insulin. 1003 is called Pre Bolus. Episode 1004, Temp Basal. 1005, Insulin Pumping. 1006, Mastering a CGM. 1007, Bump and Nudge. 1008, The Perfect Bolus. 1009, Variables. 1010, Setting Basal Insulin. 1011, exercise 1012 fat and protein 1013 insulin injury and surgery 1014 glucagon and low bgs in episode 1015 jenny and i talk about emergency room protocols in 1016 long-term health 1017 bump and nudge part two in episode 1018 pregnancy 1019 explaining type one 1,020 glycemic index and load, 1,021 postpartum, 1,022 weight loss, 1,023 honeymoon, 1,024 female hormones, and in episode 1,025 we talk about transitioning from MDI to pumping. Before I go, I'd like to share two reviews with you of the Diabetes Pro Tip series, one from an adult and one from a caregiver. I learned so much from the Pro Tip series when our son was diagnosed last summer. It really helped get me through those first few very tough weeks. It wasn't just your explanations of how it all works, which were way better than anything our diabetes educator told us, but something about the way you and Jenny presented everything, even the scary stuff, that reassured me that we could figure out how to deal with this and to teach our son how to deal with it too. Thank you for sharing your knowledge and experience with us. This podcast is a game changer. 25 years as a type 1 diabetic. And only now am I learning some of the basics. Scott brings useful information and presents it in digestible ways. Learning that pre-bolus doesn't just mean bolus before you eat, but means timing your insulin so that it is active as the carbs become active, took me already from a decent 6.5A1C down to a 5.6 in the past eight months. I've never met Scott, but after listening to hundreds of episodes and joining him in his Facebook group, I consider him a friend. Listening to this podcast and applying it has been the best thing I have done for my health since diagnosis. I genuinely hope that the Diabetes Pro Tip series is valuable for you and your family. If it is, find me in the private Facebook group and say hello. If you're enjoying the Juicebox podcast, please share it with a friend, a neighbor, your physician, or someone else who you know that might also benefit from the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back very soon with another episode of the Juicebox podcast. Jenny Smith holds a bachelor's degree in human nutrition and biology from the University of Wisconsin. She is a registered and licensed dietitian, a certified diabetes educator, and a certified trainer on most makes and models of insulin pumps and continuous glucose monitoring systems. She's also had type 1 diabetes for over 35 years, and she works at integrateddiabetes.com. If you're interested in hiring Jenny, you can learn more about her at that link.